James, I'm Nikki Ballou. Pleasure to have you on the podcast, my man. Um, and uh, if you don't mind, Pleasure let's get here. right thank, to it. Thank you so much for asking me. I really appreciate it. And again, I, I apologize. I, I'm I'm essentially an hour and 15 minutes late. That's Yo, us. Yeah. We'll collect. <laughs> <Don't worry. laughs> it's, all, it's all good. It's all right. I'll invest in your next businesses. There, <laughs> there you go. Beautiful. Or put us on your podcast. How about that? One of those two. <laughs> all right. Well, one or the other. All right. Okay. Very good. Very good. Be okay. careful which one you choose, Dick. Yeah. <laughs> well, where are you guys located? Toronto. Toronto. All right. So you know Jason Gainyard and crew? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know John Ruffalo? No, John I don't know Ruffalo. him. No, not John okay, Ruffalo. He, He's a very good guy. He's the head of Omer's Ventures in Toronto. Oh, okay. Cool. Omer's is a big deal. <laughs> Huge deal. Yeah, yeah um, I, I spoke at their main investor conference a couple of years ago. Oh, cool. awesome, man. That's fantastic. Um, do you know Andrew Warner from Mixergy? Yeah, I know Andrew. Yeah, I've been and on I just – like He's a good times. guy. He's a good guy. I, yeah. just, I just met him at a conference, and I interviewed him. I did my first ever live podcast interview with Andrew, and he was fantastic. Well, um, a, Andrew's a pro, so I'm sure your interview went very well. It did. B, I would encourage you to do all of your podcasts in person, but I understand in Toronto it's probably difficult. Yes. It Given is. how many people it we is. have from the U.S., that's almost impossible. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I would suggest then is more of those conferences like that and try to set up a booth even or, or a room at the, the closest hotel and, and just do like a ton of interviews and, and get them in the can. because. I will say face-to-face uh, -face is a and, – and, and without the Skypey audio, we're getting good audio right now, but often you don't. Yeah. Um, and face-to-face -face just adds a whole level of – you'll have 10 times as many downloads. Really? Okay. Wow. We'll, uh, we'll definitely, uh, keep, we'll definitely uh, see what we can do about that. I agree with you about wanting to go to more uh, conferences, and that's, a, that's maybe a good reason to go. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Love it. Let's rock and roll, shall we? Yeah. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution, where we say you shouldn't do it alone. Do it with a group of fantastic peers. I'm your co-host, Nikki Ballou. I'm your other co-host, Michael Palmer. And boy, do we have an amazing guest lined up for you today. He is a American hedge fund manager, an entrepreneur, a best-selling author, a venture capitalist, and one of the top podcasters on the planet. I would say that he is a absolute thought leader when it comes to being an iconoclast and marching to the tune of your own drummer. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary James Altucher. James, welcome to the show. You know, you guys, thank you so much for, for having me. I have, a, I have a quick question for you, actually. Do you mind if I ask you a quick question? Rock and roll. We obviously this the Skype did not start this this podcast did not start with your intro. We were, we were we had a five minute conversation right beforehand. Were you recording then? Yes, absolutely. I would encourage you to start your podcast with the beginning of the actual conversation because I find 
it's the it's the pre and the post conversations that are actually the most popular they're the most impactful parts of the podcast you know what? I love that you said that because it's interesting when the when the tape stops and we start having conversations afterwards. It's like I always sit, sit there and think to myself, "I wish this was in the <laughs> the recording," you know. So I think that I, I get upset if I find my the, the audio engineers cut the recording just because we say goodbye. That's not the end of the goodbye is never the end of the discussion, as anyone who's been married or in a relationship knows. And how do you how do you bridge that? You sort of say, okay, the the show's over now. Let's have our real conversation. That's no, you that. say the show's over. That was great. And then if it turns into something interesting, the, the follow up, then you say, hey, is it okay if I if I use this? Beautiful. We're gonna Love do it. that. Love it. That's a great idea. There's been gold. Yeah, it's actually. not trying to be sneaky or anything. It's just sometimes when people relax, they they suddenly realize, oh, I had these other things to say, and boom. Awesome. Well, it's no surprise that you've done. I was looking at a few of your podcast numbers, and you've you you crank them out. You've been doing it a while, and you make made us feel extremely relaxed and at ease just when you got on to uh, other conversation on Skype. Oh, thanks. That's nice. Yeah. Awesome. So I love that. Thanks for that. That's a that's a bit of that's a gold nugget for everybody listening. Real is is definitely more valuable than than the show. It's like it's like any meeting. Let's say you do a sales meeting. Okay, you go in there, you start off, you kind of bond with people. Then there's kind of the, what I would call the formal structure of the sales meeting, the, the pitch, whether you're selling yourself or your company or an idea or whatever. And then the meeting is over and, and then everyone's relaxed again and you talk. The same principles apply. Sometimes the real value happens, you know, kind of in the fringes or out, right outside the border of, of the meeting. Yeah, that's very true. You know, I, I watch a number of shows online that are also uh, TV shows or cable shows. And what they've been doing lately is they've started to have a web-only portion of their show where everybody's a little more relaxed. They've loosened their tie if they're wearing a tie. And uh, they start to speak to each other uh, like their buddies uh, hanging around, uh, you know, having a drink. And at that point in time, uh, some real gold comes out. So very true. But It goes along with this idea that process is art in today's world. So people don't just want to see the art, the, the final painting or show or whatever. They want to see the process also. And if it's described or expressed beautifully, that's just as much art as the final piece of art itself. Well said. Well said. So, so James, one of, one of our mentors, a man by the name of Matt Church from Australia, once said that an expert is someone who knows something while a thought leader is someone who's known for knowing something. Now, what I know of you so far is you are known, to me at least, as someone who truly marches to the tune of his own drummer. You do things your way. That's been true in terms of your books. That's been true in terms of your career as a serial entrepreneur. That's certainly been true in terms of your podcast. What I'd really like to understand from you is how you did it, how you got to be this guy who's known in this fashion as a thought leader in his space without any of the traditional help and support that a lot of people have. Tell us your story. Well, what do you mean by traditional support? Well, you didn't exactly have a silver spoon in your mouth. You didn't uh, have a TV show you were you were a part of. Like you weren't like uh, Bill Maher or Bill O'Reilly or anybody like that. You did this all on your own. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, I first off, to, to address that, I definitely did not have a silver spoon. Um, when I was 27, 28 years old, whenever it was, I, I started my first business. I had zero. I had student loan debt. 
I was living on a foam mattress, you know, in a, in a random borough of New York city trying to survive. And I had, I had dreams. Uh, and, and yeah, I never had, like, I always was jealous of the people who had very traditional platforms, but of course they work for it too. Like if you go to a great school and then you work at Goldman Sachs or you, or you have a TV show, like, like a bill, you know, Bill Maher probably my guess is, I don't know for sure, but my guess is he worked for years as a, as a comedian and then built up from show to show. And of course he went from HBO to ABC to, uh, to wherever else, uh, you know, he's dealt with a lot of rejection. So even when you have that traditional platform, there's, there's a lot of persistence behind it. So I don't want to take anything away from, from these guys who have, who have succeeded. But, but yeah, I, I sort of lately pride myself on the fact that the back doors are just viable as just as viable or even more viable a way for, let's say, achieving a dream than the traditional front door. Everyone's trying to squeeze into the front door. You know, when you, when you go to sleep at night, you lock the front door from burglars, but, but burglars usually know, oh, well, let's try the back door because they, they usually forget to lock the back door. Exactly. <laughs> That's the best Very true. That's a good analogy, actually. Being it's a, a thief of success. Being a thief, <laughs> thief of, of success. success. Exactly. Nicely put. Exactly. It's like people, uh, you know, you leave the keys in your in your house, you put them, you know, we're all like think, oh, these thieves are, you know, they're if good thieves are pretty smart. They're going to figure out how people are and, and they'll find a way to rob you. Um, well, okay, let, let's continue the analogy um, further. And and I don't want to use the, the negative connotation so much, but you can't protect yourself from being robbed. That's just a fact. If someone is a pro and wants to specifically target you and, and, and steal from you, you're going to be robbed. And, and it's just a matter of how you deal with it afterwards. But forget about the fact that, that there's a negative connotation there. If someone's persistent and really works hard and has good intentions, nothing could really stop you from achieving. I, I don't want to sound like a self-help guy. No, nothing could really stop you from, from moving forward and, taking action on, on your dreams. There's no, there's, there are no doors that are locked actually. It just feels that way sometimes because everyone tries to go some traditional path, but there's like a thousand other paths that you can use and there's no shame in, in using any of those. I think too, the, the path is sometimes really, really long. So it's like, you got to figure out the code of that door. It's going to take a few tries at it, but you're, I absolutely believe what you're saying to be to be completely accurate because there's so many different ways to get there and often it really just is time and persistence that's in the way. Uh, eventually someone will pay attention, maybe not tens of millions of people, but enough that you, whatever message you're trying to get out there, whatever knowledge you're trying to embark upon other people will be heard. It's just a matter of figuring out that jiggly lock to get you there. Yeah. And you know, you don't necessarily want to reach tens of millions of people like, okay, to be president of the United States, like, you know, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, they both had to figure out how to communicate to, to tens of millions of people. But because they're trying to communicate and, and make happy so many people, their, their true beliefs and intentions, we never completely understand, you know, um, you know, always the the post-mortem on elections is how the candidates used polls, used uh, various manipulation techniques and so on to, to make tens of millions of people happy. So if you want to, if your intentions are, are good and you really have like purpose and motivation in, in your life, chances are you don't have a message 
that's going to successfully land on tens of millions of people, nor should you try. I mean, um, let's take comedy as an example. There's no one comedian who is loved by all because then you're just pandering to the lowest common denominator. You're just telling, you know, essentially fart jokes yeah, and, and everybody loves fart jokes. So the, the mo really the funniest guy in the world is the best guy with fart jokes. Who but, is that but, guy? Well, none, of the best none of the most <laughs> successful comedians do that because they're artists and they want to um, they want to appeal to to their their specific audience and their message. Well, you know, that's powerful what you said, because comedians, in a way, are like thought leaders. They they need to repel as many people as they attract. That's right. So even someone telling fart jokes, I can tell you that uh, my better half would not be amused at fart jokes. She would want me to turn off the bloody TV and, and say, that's disgusting, and get that. So even that person is repelling somebody. Uh, and in order to attract, you need to repel. Like... James, we've identified what we call four key elements to thought leadership. In our view, you've nailed a bunch of them, right? Let me just quickly walk you through what those are. And then I'd, oh, like to I'd love to hear this because, you know, I never really understand the phrase thought leadership because uh, whenever you bring out a thought, people think people try to figure out all these negative things like, oh, what's his agenda or is he mentally ill or uh, <laughs> here are the 25 reasons He's wrong because I did it the other way, so I can't be wrong. So it, you you deal with uh, whenever I have an opinion that I think is sincere and real to me, those are usually the ones people are angriest about and really give me a lot of grief, and it's, it's often painful. Well, I'll tell you, as a thought leader, you, you are going to get a lot of grief because there's going to be people who are going to – be emotionally invested in a, in, in, in a series of thoughts different than yours. But there's also going to be people who are going to really resonate with what you have to say. You know what I mean? I mean, you talked about politics. You, you mentioned, you know, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Well, they had a series of, of messages that they took out there into the marketplace. And there was a lot of people that were passionately in favor of what one side said. And there were a lot of people who were passionately against it at the same time. And that's something that as a thought leader, you need to live with. You have to be willing to accept that you're going to have your detractors, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So and, to, and also on top of that, with going back to the comedian analogy, right, is that you, you, it's an indicator that you're on the right track. When people are throwing stones at you, you're actually saying something that is showing an indication that there are people who don't follow what you say. You better have a chicken wire fence in front of you if you're throwing stones at you. <laughs> I, I feel like there's a little bit of a cliche aspect to that. Like, oh, if I say something important, people are going to naturally hate me. The, the reality is also if you say something stupid, people are going to hate you too. Yeah, so and love uh, you. Th th there's a fine line there. And I, I don't always want to rely on the fact that, oh, I must be saying something important if people hate me because sometimes people just might hate me. Right on. Right on. So, so let me go back to these, to these four elements that we identified, and I want to get your thoughts on them. So first of all is clarity. And we say you have to be clear on, on your message, on what you have to say to people. And then you've got to have an audience or a market that you know, resonates with your message. They, they either have a problem they want you to solve for them, or they just resonate with your message because it really speaks to something deep within them. So that's number one is clarity. Number two is having a strategy of being preeminent or being the very best in your field. Number three is having the right mentors. And number four is having the right peers around you. What are your thoughts on these four and which one, which one of these four resonates the most with you in terms of your, your own experience? 
Well, so tell me, tell me the, the four guys. So there's mentors and there's people around you. There's peers, mentors, a strategy of preeminent, preeminence or being the very best in your field and cl- having clarity on your message and having clarity about your audience or market. Okay. I think the last two, those are not people, right? Those are, I, your, that's your idea of this? Yes. Okay. So, so here's, here's, I view it a little bit differently and I'll call it um, plus equal minus. So and this, I, these three things plus equal minus are, are mandatory for not necessarily just thought leadership, but any kind of improvement or peak performance or excellence or whatever. And so I always think about it in this way. Plus they are my mentors. So a mentor is not necessarily someone I call up and say, Hey, teach me X, Y, and Z. And they're like, Oh, no problem, James. I've, I'm a huge success in my career but I'm going to take out an hour of my time to now help you. That doesn't, that never, people write me all the time and say, Oh, can you be my mentor? It doesn't really happen that way. It happens in much more roundabout way, but a, a mentor could be a virtual mentor too. So when I read a book, if I, re, if I'm reading a really good book, uh, I'm absorbing that entire person's life, everything distilled that, that everything in that person's life that he distilled into that quality book, I'm talking about quality books and not bad books. So I'll just take as an example, Robert Greene's book, Mastery. It's a great book about excellence and achievement and so on. I'm absorbing Robert Greene's like 10 years of research into the lives of many other virtual mentors. And, and that is much more valuable to me than having a call with maybe a real life mentor who has their own agenda or, or whatever. So, but, but real life mentors are important too. But I would say both are acceptable. Virtual mentors are just as good as real mentors. Look, some people have a religious icon as a mentor. Some people have, you know, Benjamin Franklin as a mentor. So, so learning from wherever you can. Some people have a, a little kid as a mentor. You know, every, that book, Everything I Learned in Life, I Learned in Kindergarten or whatever it's called. So, you know, you can find your mentors, your pluses anywhere. And that's very important. So what's your plus? Second, who are your equals? So let's say I'm striving to be a successful, I don't know, either investor or computer programmer or artist. There are other people just like me who are striving also to be successful at this thing. Now, they might not be at my exact level. They might be a little above. They might be a little below. They might be a little sideways, meaning they have a different, they're good with oils and I'm good with watercolors, but we're still striving to find success. But I try to talk to my equals almost every day. And I say, this is what I'm thinking. This is the problem I just encountered. This is what I just realized. And I'm fascinated by it. What are your thoughts? And then, and then we share with each other and we go back and forth and we're learning. And that is such a pleasurable thing to find your equals because you're, you're moving up together. And the benefits of that are twofold. A, you really can learn a lot from your equals because, because they're discovering things that are exciting them just as you are and, and feeding off their excitement and sharing your excitement is, is different than the student mentor relationship. And, and the other benefit of finding your equals is that if you're all truly moving up together, eventually you'll be on the top together. And that's a, a source. That's how your network grows. So you, you build it, but you know, if you're, if you do something for a certain number of time, a certain period of time, then the people you associated with at the bottom are now the people you're associating with at the top. And that's how money is made. You're not making money necessarily from your mentor. You're making money from 
your equals that you grew up with who are now all helping each other. So, and then there's the, what I call the minus, which has a negative connotation. I don't mean it that way, but it's just as important as the plus and the equals is that when you learn something, it's important to teach it. And of course there's the, there's the obvious benefit, which is it, it feels good to, to teach, but also you learn about when you have to explain something in simple terms to people who are maybe a little behind you in what you're striving for, you, you, you learn so much about yourself and about your area by, by condensing knowledge down into something that's comprehensible. It gives you new insights into the subtleties of what you're learning. And now also, you know, people you're teaching often have beginner's mind, meaning they're going to ask you questions that it's like, oh my gosh, I never even thought about that beautifully simple question. And now I have to think about it and answer it. And that further solidifies your expertise. So plus equals minus is the way I think about it. They're all equally important for, for whatever it is I am trying to do. And, and at any point in my life, I'm trying to get better at, let's say, multiple things. I always consider the, the plus equal minus of what I'm trying to do. I, I, I very clearly think about it and I very clearly every day or every other day uh, reach out to all three. I like that. It's uh, it has me thinking of just looking at and and saying you know who are my pluses do I have them do I have my my equals do I have my minuses and I think that when I look just really briefly as we as I was listening to you you know I I've seen how teaching others has changed the way I think about something and it has been very very valuable um, I would say where I'm probably uh, week is maybe around equals, you know, is looking at who is actually someone who is working at going in the similar direction that I am. Do I have enough of those people in my life? Really cool, very simple. I'm definitely going to be talking about that with some of the people that I work with uh, for myself and Nikki, I think, as well. My question... I mean, I, mean, I, I can give you a specific example. You could pick a field in my life, whether it's investing or writing or right now, almost to, to try the application of these principles from scratch. I've been learning the amazingly difficult skill of, of stand-up comedy this year, just also as a way of getting myself out of my comfort zone. But again, seeing if I can quote unquote hack the 10,000 hours and the plus minus equal works amazingly well for this. I, I'm not saying I'm going to be the best comedian in the world, but I will say using a plus minus equal as I started from scratch earlier this year has been an amazing experience for me. Very cool. So, so James, do you have any video clips of you doing Comedy Man that we can take a look at? I think I do, but but in general, I because I rewrite and tweak every week. I don't release anything. Most comics, by the way, won't release anything until their until their big moment. Because you know, you don't. Anytime you release something, you you, you just burned all those jokes. As oh, opposed yeah. to a musician, where uh, you can play the same song for thirty years and nobody gets tired of it. Uh, a joke gets old fast. You gotta let us know when you're doing some shows, man. Oh, I, I do. I do four or five shows a week. Beautiful. Dallas, New York area. New York area. Uh, I did. I did yesterday. I did in the middle of New Jersey. I, I was my first. And this is also you. You figure out what are all the micro skills you need to learn in any skill, and and in part you learn that from experience, and in part you learn that from you, you know the people around you. And I had never done kind of a road trip where I do comedy in a non-standard room. So I did it in a restaurant with a bunch of other comedians, and it was the first time I ever did, did that. And it was a completely different experience than doing it in a comedy club. And so I wanted to challenge myself to that. So, so, 
So someone asked me to, to make this trip and, and do it with, with four other comedians. And I opened for the headliner, I will say, and, and I had a lot of fun. Cool. Well, you know, this is, this is how I see you, is your thought leadership is you're someone who marches to the tune of his own drummer. You figure out what's interesting and exciting to you and how you can fully express yourself. You're like a modern Renaissance man, like a Thomas Jefferson type guy. Yeah, I mean, he was probably smarter than me. But, uh, <laughs> so he was smarter than most of us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, thank you for saying that. I, I don't know. I, 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 that's a hot potato also. I'm going to just put that in my back pocket and, and maybe look at it later when I'm depressed. <laughs> <laughs> no, you bet. I, I'm, I'm really impressed at what you're doing. And I think what you're doing on a, on a comedic side really takes into account the methodology you talked about uh, but but it also falls into what, what what we said are there four of the elements of thought leadership. You've got mentors and you've got peers. So that's the mentors are your pluses and the peers are your equals, right? And you've got you know a message of sorts that you're developing, and you've got an audience or a market, and th- those those kind of tend to be inside your minuses, right? And at the moment, inside comedy, you don't have a strategy of preeminence because you're getting started. But certainly, when it comes to podcasting, you've had a strategy of preeminence when it comes to writing books and starting companies. And it, it, it seems to me that you've applied a bunch of these in your life going forward. What would you say to that? Well, A, for, for, for anything I do, I, uh, I, you're calling it a strategy for preeminence. I, will, I would re- rephrase just a tiny bit, which is that I want to be the, the absolute best I could potentially be. Like I tend to get a little uh, addictive and, and I tend to love whatever it is I'm doing. I, I tend to avoid the things I, I don't love. I think that's very, very important. And, and we can address whether that's always possible for people or not. I would argue it is. But someone asked me to do stand-up comedy, let's say it was like seven months ago. And so I went on stage and I did it. And I simply fell in love with it. So I very quickly, because I know how to attack this type of problem, I very quickly found a, a plus minus equal and I do have a strategy for preeminence. I want to be the, the, the best I can possibly be. I'm not going to spend 20 years doing it because that's what most professional comedians have done. I don't have 20 years to do that, but I do want to, I want to hack those 20 years down to one year if I can. And so I have a strategy for that. And yeah, for everything else, podcasting, investing, entrepreneurship, writing. Once I, once I learned this approach, uh, I totally systematized how I approach Excellence. And, and it really started for me as a kid because I hated school, like, like many people. And, but I got obsessed with uh, playing chess. And I realized right away, oh, I need a language to understand how to achieve excellence at something. I can't just study chess. I need to study excellence in general. And that using that approach of studying excellence in general greatly expanded my resources by which I can learn something very specific, I can study many general things. And that applied to investing, to entrepreneurship, to writing, to, I don't know, everything else I've done in, in life. So, and, and including, uh, and up to, uh, comedy. You, you know, I'm sitting here listening to you and I love the strategy and I've, you're like the you're like the fellow out of um, the Matrix where they're like downloading all of that information. It's like, it's not going to take me 20. I'm doing it in one year. 
I just love that. I think we're a little bit of kindred spirits because I've done similar things with comedy and with um, just different different hobbies that I've just immersed myself into for short periods of time. And, and you're doing it with, with podcasting right now. And podcasting, yeah. Right now, I sort of just recently got back into hot rodding. So I've been working on a hot rod for the last 30 years with my dad. He passed away two years ago. And I've said, you know what? I'm putting this thing out and I'm getting it done fast. And it's so I'm getting, it's like I'm 14 years old again and just going into, so I'm actually in the process of my plus, my equals and my minus, maybe not my minuses right now, but looking, I'm, I'm talking to okay. all the people and go ahead. But, but, but let me, let me just say, I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm a bad interrupter. I'm sorry. It's all good. It's all good, James. Make it a concerted effort to find your minuses. So what can you do? Cause it's really important. You're not going to do the best job on that hot rod until you find your minuses. So what can you do? Start writing right now your, your process every day. Here's what you learned today and post it somewhere, whether it's LinkedIn or Facebook or even on like a hot rod builders niche site or somewhere, because when, you know, explain what you're doing, because then that's going to attract more pluses and equals and other minuses to you. And that will help you. Um, and when, and just the process of you writing down what you're doing or explaining what you're doing or whatever is going to help you considerably. Like, I love this, that you're, you're doing this. And then I, I'll further add, make it a goal. Like, like you're going to race that hot rod or, or have somebody race that hot rod on a real track. And that will also kind of give you different motivations that you haven't necessarily thought of for, for performance and so on. Beautiful. I absolutely love that. And it's actually probably a good thing you interrupted me, James, because I would have gone on about it. Right yeah. a bit, so. No, but I get it, Mike, because you, you love it, right? So I you want to, you want, it's something you could talk about forever. And at the same time, you want to learn how to do it. And so again, this is what, like, this is why I'm saying about the language of peak performance or the language of excellence. I don't know, Jack, about building a hot rod, but I could tell just from listening to you talk about it, I could tell you exactly what you need to do to, to, to do it better than you're doing. Not that I know so much and I know so much about your life or, or hot rods or anything, but I just know, again, if you know the, the meta language of performance that, that feeds and totally hacks the process and speed by which you're doing what you're doing. I'm going to do it. I'm taking it on. So there's one thing you've done. I'm going to ask you this question, which I'm interested in hearing your, uh, the meta language of peak performance on, because I'm writing a couple of books right now, actually. There's one I'm writing. A couple, for, a very, a couple of books. Yeah. So one book I'm writing, uh, and Michael's collaborating with me on for, uh, thought leaders and thought leadership. Uh, second book I'm, I'm writing is, um, a book for, for fathers, separated fathers specifically whose wives have left them. Cause that was my experience and it's a tough I'm thing and it's horrible. And for a lot of men who go through that, it takes them something like, um, years or decades or even never to get over it. And uh, I've become fascinated about how to help men get, get over it in weeks or months. So I think uh, that is uh, like, let's, lo let's look at, at that for a second. Sure. Actions follow intentions. So your if your intention was, Oh, I want to write a book. That's a bestseller. That's a, that's a weak intention. Um, that's all about, it's very self-centered. It's all about yourself and your actions will probably, your actions, which derive from those intentions won't, won't be good. You won't write a good book, but, but your intentions sound very sincere. Your motivation sounds sincere. You have a story to tell. 
And my guess is if you stick to these pure intentions, you'll, you'll end up writing a great book. I, I will give you uh, uh, a little bit of advice. You In this book, you, it might be hard and it, and it might, you don't want to step on any toes or hurt any people, but you absolutely have to tell as much of your story as you, as you're physically and legally able to. I will. I, I totally will. My, my uh, former wife and I get along very well right now, but at the time it was very tough and I don't have a problem telling the story whatsoever, but that's, that's powerful. I'm advice. really sorry though. You went through that. I know that must've been painful. It, I'm divorced it, twice. It's, so you get it. It, it. It's tough for a lot of men. It's tough. 60% of all marriages with children end up in divorce in North America. And of, of these two out of every three, the woman leaves. And it's so, so 40% of our families with children, fathers experience their wife leaving them. And it's devastating to them. They feel like a loser. They feel like a wimp. They feel like uh, they're oh, worthless. We, we should almost do a separate podcast just on this because uh, we could talk probably I for think let's three do, hours may, about may, this. Maybe you bring us on the podcast and we can talk about this on yours. <laughs> yeah, we, we can do that. Okay, That's a good idea. Deal. When your book comes out, let's do that. For sure, for sure, for but, sure. But, so, but, but I don't know if I, you were telling me you're writing two books. What was your question? So my question was, how do I apply the uh, uh, plus equal minus to the book writing process? Okay, read the best book. Don't read books about writing. Read the best books that have have excited you, even page turners over the past 30 or 40 years. Like just read the best books you know yeah. and really ask yourself, how did the author get you to turn the page? I can do that. that that's number one. Those are your pluses is okay. the best writers in the world. Not the best writing books. Those are false yeah. pluses. I get it. Read the best writers in the world, and you'll and and I'll read them every day, and you'll get to be a better writer. I read You're, 150 pages a day, buddy. I'm a big reader. That's great, and and only read good books. Don't read bad books. Okay, yep. don't read the latest business self help books or oh, whatever. I hate those books. I hate those books. Yeah. <laughs> that's a running joke. Then, with then me. for your equals, look, talk to people like me. I like other separated fathers and so on, and 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 learn and and get stories, and you ultimately. The only entertainment, you know, ultimately all books are entertainment, even if there's an underlying message. And the only entertainment that works is storytelling. So, so your equals will share stories with you and you want to focus on those stories. And then the minuses, of course, is, again, process is art. Don't just write a book and give birth. The great thing is, is you can just write your chapters along the way and, and share them on, on LinkedIn, on parenting sites, uh, on so on, you know, and mm -hmm. take advantage of the enormous community of of minuses and equals on those sites. So, so you can see it's a way of focus grouping each chapter. You can see which chapters and which writing has impact, what quotes are people quoting and so on. And that's how you find your minuses. But okay, now your, your final wrap up. Question. Okay. Th that was awesome. I love it. I'm going to do that. Thank you so much. So our listener is an aspiring thought leader, or they're an actually a thought leader, or there's, they're an entrepreneur, right? And what what's important to them when they listen to this show is they're looking to learn from you. They wanna know what, what have you done to hack success, uh, especially right, so, as a thought leader. So what would you say would be your top three expert action steps or hacks for them? Okay, so first off, do not have the goal of being a thought leader because then your intention is not good. Again, actions follow intentions. Uh, second, that's not even a suggestion, so don't don't count that. But don't don't have as a goal. I'm going to be a thought leader. That doesn't. That's a made up word from the past five years or whatever. Not that I'm criticizing that word. It's just not a goal. It's it's a it's a description. But first, plus minus equal is really important. Second, you have to. This is really important. 
if you're if you're sick in bed, you're not gonna be the best at what you could be. So you have to take care of yourself. So so eat nutritiously, sleep eight hours a day or however many hours you need, and and move your body so that you're you're healthy. If you're sick, you cannot succeed. So um, the second suggestion is physical, emotional, creative, spiritual. So I just described the physical, which is eat, move, sleep. Emotional, be around people you love and avoid people who are toxic. This is so critically important. It's just as important as the physical. You cannot succeed if you're around toxic people. C, creativity, be creative every day. I, I encourage people to write down 10 ideas a day always to exercise the idea muscle. It doesn't have to be uh, good ideas. They, they should be bad ideas, so you get over that. But you can be creative in any way you want. Just be creative every day because creativity is a muscle and it atrophies if you don't use it. And finally, spiritual is very difficult. It's not like praying or meditating or anything like that. It simply means try to catch yourself when you have a feeling of scarcity, when your anxiety or your regrets or your fears become more important to you than the things you can do for growth. So always try to make sure you have, you're making growth decisions instead of fear decisions. And that's a practice too. That's a muscle also you have to exercise. So that's the spiritual, you know, uh, and, and you could, you could meditate, you could do whatever, but, but that's really spirituality for me. So that's the second suggestion. First was plus minus equal. The second is physical, emotional, creative, spiritual. And the third uh, just only do what you love because you're never going if, to, if it's you versus the person who's doing what, let's say you don't love something, but you're trying to succeed at it. If it's you versus the person who does love what they do, you lose. Yeah, so that's powerful. do that's what you love. Powerful. You know, those are three very powerful expert action steps. And, and I got to say, you know what? And they're actionable. Trust me, they are actionable. I do it. I, I cannot tell you how it helps my life as I moved from, a fear-based life to a life following these three suggestions. And I, I consciously follow these three things and I'm aware of when I'm veering away from them because it's difficult to do these things. Very powerful. Very powerful. So you've written several books. There's one called Choose Yourself that really is intriguing to me. And I'd say if you're listening to the podcast, definitely pick up a copy of Choose Yourself. Heck, buy five copies and give them away to your friends and your family and your clients. And uh, oh, James thanks. has got a phenomenal podcast called the, the James Altucher Show. Make sure that you subscribe to it, you know, listen to it. And he is a budding uh, stand-up comedian. And he's doing a lot of shows in the New York, New Jersey area. So we're going to get some good links for uh, his schedule. We're going to put him in the show notes. Uh, make sure that you go and see him perform his comedy. And before he becomes the best, you can say, hey, I knew James Altucher when I saw him do comedy when he wasn't that great. Headlining oh, at the Comedy I'll, Cellar. I'll throw, I'll throw something on there. Um, and I haven't really written about this or, or announced this in any place. But, you know, part of my – because I'm so – I have so much experience at business, obviously, and now I'm learning comedy. I, I always connect the dots and combine the things I'm interested in. So after six months of doing this, it's just closed a couple of weeks ago, I bought part of a comedy club. So any of your listeners who are who are traveling through New York City – um, send me an email at altature at gmail.com and, you know, put the name of this podcast in the subject line. So I'll open it. And if you're traveling through New York city, I'm happy to, uh, comp you and your friends tickets and drinks to, to my club. And it's called stand up New York. It's a, it's a, 
It's an iconic New York City comedy club. It's been around 30 years. Every famous comedian performs there all the time. And drinks and tickets on me. I'm coming, James. <laughs> James I am yeah. coming. I'm booking uh, my fight today. Uh, James, buddy, you don't know what you're doing, man. <laughs> all right, but that's fantastic. No, I, I, wow. I know, believe me, I know exactly what I'm doing. You are. You do. You do. Keep on that. You. I'm well, that, listen, I love it. Thank you so much. Well, these are the benefits of listening to the Thought Leader Revolution. So and, keep on listening. And the benefits of hosting it as well. <laughs> that's absolutely. <laughs> so, but listen, if you're listening to this to this podcast and you're serious uh, and you want to know if you have a message like James does that would resonate for you in the marketplace, and you're serious about making your dent in the universe and living a life of purpose, and you want to find out if your expertise is resonating with people, you want to find out if it has commercial application, look into the show notes. There'll be a link there. You can set up Let's a call. We'll jump on a call, and we'll find out if you can become the James Altisher of your market niche. So, if you believe in your vest message enough that you don't want to have your voice silenced, you want to you don't want to be one of those guys or gals who dies with your potential fully intact, make sure that you visit the show notes, book an appointment, let's jump on a call and let's see if you can be the James Altisher of your niche. And James, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you guys. I really appreciate it. I yeah. thank you so much. James, you know, I was I I noticed a lot of your podcast uh, interviews are like an hour, hour and a half, like really long. And I'm like, wow, that's a long time. But I know why now. It's like you absolutely, I have like a million questions about your lifestyle, different things you're up to, comedy club. We'll bring you back. I mean, we- We, we are going to bring you back. Love to have you back. Is it's that cool? Yeah, so I, I love it. I love this conversation. And, um, you know, consider me a uh, uh, quote unquote, an equal. And you're, and we're all striving to be better podcasters and learn. And maybe I'm a little bit ahead in terms of the time I've been putting into the podcast, but I'm, I'm happy to, to help you guys uh, get the skills to build your podcast. Thank you, man. We look forward to it, man. And I look forward to coming on your podcast with our books. <laughs> I'm being egotistical by offering this, but if you ever have any questions about podcasting, feel free to ask me. And I'm, sometimes I'm slow at responding, but I'll, I'll always try to respond. Thank you know you. what? When we bring you back on, maybe that next show, Michael, is going to be a combination of of, uh, of uh, the questions you want to ask about comedy, and we can ask a bunch of questions about podcasting. Why not? Absolutely. Yeah. That uh, sounds great. Whatever you guys want to do, and whenever you want to do it, I'm I'm usually around. It's God beautiful. bless you, man. And, and, thank you for and, your time, James. All real right. quickly, you do guys. you mind if we use this last little bit in our show? I, of course. That's, <laughs> that's well, the whole idea. Beautiful. And I am definitely I'm coming to New York this fall. So I will send you an email and I will yeah, love to take you up any on that night, offer. Bring your friends like any night you want. It's a, it's a great club. And, and I went there just as a, as a, to sit in the audience the other day. Man, I was laughing so hard. Like when I go up to perform, I'm nervous. So I don't usually listen to the comedians. This time I was just relaxing and, and sitting in the audience and man, it's such a great experience. You know, the average child laughs 300 times a day. The average adult only laughs five times a day. So it's really so important to just, to just laugh. That's why they stay so healthy. That's why they can eat whatever they want and no fat stays on them <laughs> because they're yeah, laughing exactly. so much. You know, it's, it's, it's the truth, man. I think, I think it's cool. Yeah, let's definitely go visit them. Heck, we, we've got a bunch of clients in New York, so maybe we'll we'll come and make it a, a night or an event or something. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll make one more offer to you. If you come into New York, we'll do. I'll go on your podcast again, and I'll, I'll, but I'll book the studio. So my treat, I'll book the studio, and I'll go on your podcast. Beautiful. And you, and you can use this. You, know, right. you, you, you got a deal. We'll, we'll clean up the audio for you. 
It'll, and you'll see the difference. You you got a deal. We'll definitely do it. And uh, one of the two books is coming out pretty soon. So I'm going to hold you to getting us on your podcast too. All right, excellent. Thanks, pal. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Bye, Bye, James. That wraps another episode of The Thought Leader Revolution. To learn more about today's guests, you can go to thethoughtleaderrevolution.com. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.